from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello and welcome back to the Connected Construction Show. My name is Matt Sprague, and I will be your host. Uh, we are excited, as always, for all of our guests, but excited to have Randy Blount here, who is the former president at, Bla- at Blount Con- Contracting. Goodness gracious, I'm tongue-tied today. So we're going to do this again. Former president at Blount Contracting. It wasn't a tongue twister, but I still it still made it one for me today, Randy. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. So... Um, we're going to dive right into this uh, to, to begin. What we like to do is uh, kind of a, a, a feel-good get-to-know-you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, you know, where your, 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 um, your career started in the industry and how you ended up at Blount Contracting. Great. Um, so uh, unlike many people who are in the site excavation, civil contracting space. Uh, my career started very young. Um, my father was in the business and, you know, it probably wouldn't happen nowadays, but at the time it was generally accepted for me to be out on the job site as a teenager and, you know, chasing grade stakes and learning how to operate water trucks. And, um, when I was lucky, maybe play around on a piece of equipment after shift. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, I started helping my father estimate for this newly newly established company he had. And um, for probably the first five years, we weren't much of a company, you know, nothing big, just kind of getting stuff done. And so I got to be a grade checker, an equipment operator, a foreman, you know, some PM stuff. And as we grew, uh, my father got sick. I ended up having to take on some leadership roles to help support the company. And uh, so moved into PM and estimating and vice president of the company. And then he passed away when I was 26. And so um, from 26 until now, uh, I've been the one who's been operating the business. Um, uh, Recently, we, I guess two years ago, we sold the business and I've been, um, at acting as the uh, vice president of this division and uh, really taking on a lot of new work and big jobs. And so, you know, I guess kind of done it all started, started young and, and, you know, been the small company and uh, this year the, the division will do close to a hundred million. So kind of, you know, done the small and got to be part of a little bit bigger size company and it's been fun. That's awesome. Uh, I guess the ch- child labor laws were different back then, right? <laughs> that or my dad didn't really care. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two, one of the two. Yeah. So um, we had our, our, our pre-show conversation and, and I think one of the, one of the themes that kind of got brought up was, um, you know, is technology in, in construction. And I think in your case, uh, particular c- civil construction, a, a good thing um, or is it only an expense? That's a good point. That's a good question. I think we, we talked a little bit about this, but, I, but I'm thinking about it, reflecting on it. It is an expense. We're not going to lie about that. 
but so is labor and so is equipment and so is all these other necessary inputs. And so I think it's important when you're looking at making decisions that you try and understand, is this an expense or is it an investment, right? When we go buy equipment, although it is an expense, we say, well, I'm going to invest in that because it increases production. It lowers my cost. Um, I'm going to invest in training my people, even though it's an expense, because if they're better trade, better trained, then they're going to be safer and do higher quality work, be more productive, all of which drive down costs. I think technology is no different. Uh, you can go meet the best motor grader operators in the world, and they are a proud bunch. I know my dad was one of them, and about every one of them I've met, they're a proud bunch. And they'll talk to you about how they don't need GPS and how you know they can do it by touch and feel. But also every one of them who's actually used it will tell you they're faster and it's easier with it, right? And so I think technology, this right now we're speaking specifically to you know GPS and automation and equipment, is really just another tool to provide greater quality and to reduce overall costs of, of doing what we do. And there's also some safety aspects. We're starting to see that where technology is going to help us have, you know, collision avoidance and, and know where our people are better and keep us from maybe swinging into traffic. So I think overall you have to really say it's an investment, like most inputs into the business. And if you, and if you're not willing to invest in that, at some point it will have a detriment on your business because, uh, it is the way that construction is headed. Yeah, a lot of people are, you know, it it is a um <laughs> I feel, I I feel like it's a it's a tug of war, tug of war um conversation uh between uh tech the use of technology to supplement the labor shortage versus you're taking away jobs. Yeah. What are, what what are, what is your thought on that? Like I get it, it's it's a fear. Uh, the the statistic that I just saw was, um, dang, I don't remember who produced it, but a recent study says that by 2031, 41 percent of the construction industry industry will retire. Um, now, how much of that is civil? I don't know, but uh, let's just talk about the construction industry in general. That means uh, something like we need to hire over the next eight years, 361,000 people just to offset the number of people that are retiring. And that's assuming that construction doesn't grow. Yeah. So if, you know, the infrastructure bills or just GDP expansion, general GDP expansion require greater amounts of construction, then we're short the people that are going to be retiring plus the growth. And so in some ways, you hope it does allow you to be more productive, but taking like taking jobs, I think is probably foolish. The, rea the reality is, is we're, sh we're short labor now, and that doesn't look like it's going to change between now and 2031 when 41% of the workforce will be gone. So I think you have to look at it as, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, although I may be displacing a few jobs, I need those people elsewhere. So if my grade checker 
no longer has to grade check or I don't need as many on the ground putting stakes in the ground. That's okay because I'm probably already short. Or that's okay because that time that's now freed up can be used to educate and train all the end users. Um, I think you've had Aaron Witt on this before, but he recently did this survey um, and he shared the surveys you know, through his social media platform. And it was something like 69% of uh, the people who responded to his survey, which was, it was a sample size of about 5,000 people. Um, they didn't feel they knew how to leverage the technology that they had to its fullest. They weren't, they weren't using it. So if you're, if you're lucky enough mm. to gain productivity, now you have that person who maybe has a few hours a week that can now go focus on how do I improve my training and my, my, um, implementation of the technology that I have or will be adding. So hopefully it does re replace a few jobs because we need those people elsewhere. So it's, it's, um, I had a conversation the other day. I, I was just with, with a colleague and it, we were just talking about the DIY, you know, weekend warrior type stuff. Yeah. And we were joking that it was just like, man, there is a tool for everything. Right. There is there, there is a specific tool that you should get to do whatever it is you're trying to do. And as you were just talking, I reflected on that, basically saying, how is that not technology? Right. It's just the form of a, of, of a technological advancement in the tools that we uh, that we utilize. And that's been prevalent throughout the, the history of construction. We just the, the, the technology is now just taking on a little bit different form right yeah. in 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 terms of uh automation um and and things that 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 are making you know really big uh really big differences yeah, um, like so, i think you bring up a good point i think you bring up a good point like heavy equipment years ago was cable and there was probably some pushback when it went to hydraulic yep but, but now anybody who's run hydraulic is going to tell you like there's no way i would ever go back to a cable run dozer because yep. it's less it's less effective it's slower it's harder to fix and i think that's that's really the transition we're making into uh construction of like our tools now instead of going from cable to hydraulic they're going from hydraulic to hydraulic connected to some technology and we're going to look back 10 years from now and say i'm not going to go back to that there's no way i'm, I'm so much more productive but in all things, um, it's a little scary when there's something new. Yeah, and I'm you just I think stole the words out of my mouth, and that it, it's just it's resistance to change, it's fear of the unknown, um, and you know I think for for some people who fear that it's going to take their job away, it's um, and it, it, it's I'm going to say ignorance, but I don't mean it in a negative uh, connotation. It's just not understanding. Uh, the opportunities that it will create. So it's just like, it's not, it's just going to take on uh, opportunities, like you said, to train in new skills. Yeah. Well, I would I'd maybe even just articulate that slightly different in that I think, you know, Jocko, uh, he ta talks about this quite a bit in Extreme Ownership and one of his great, it's a great book. Uh, really, if people are feeling concerned or I think the word you said was that if there's a little bit of ignorance in that they, they think this is going to lose their job, really the people who are implementing the technology need to educate. And that's really, on, if people are feeling that way, that's really on us as implementers because we need to be helping them see, hey, 
yeah, now I don't need a grade checker full time on every project, but I need somebody building models. And I need somebody managing data because uh, plan sets now used to be start the job, they're done. Well, now it's start the job and there's seven different iterations or 10 different iterations. So I, I don't think we're really displacing that job. It's just changing the way it looks. And so we have to tell that story. Like really being storytellers is really how we get people on board with change. And so we just have to make sure people understand this is still an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to change, for you to grow. Um, and probably um, in most cases, it's an opportunity for people to really probably earn more because as one person can now cover multiple sites, there's a good chance that there's an opportunity for that person to earn more because the company's more profitable. So we, we have to tell that story. All right. Well, in the spirit of telling stories, not me, nobody wants no. to hear me talk. They're here to hear, listen to you. Do you, do you have like a story of a project where, you know, n newer technology was implemented in a, in a value that it created and, and, and maybe even the resistance or the training that needed to be created in order for it to be done correctly. Yeah, I can think of, you know, it's probably not the best one, but one that comes to mind quickly. Um, we were doing a project in Mississippi. Um, it was a, it was a uh, solar project in Mississippi and there was um, a lot of terrain on this site. And we primarily operate in the Southwest. Uh, but we had followed a client out there and Mississippi's ground conditions are quite a bit different than Arizona. Um, we get seven <laughs> inches of rain in a year. They get like 60 plus inches of rain in a year. Um, they have quite a bit of clay. We don't have a lot of clay. Gotcha. Yeah. Dust, you know, so we get out there and we're struggling and we try to figure out like, well, how can we, how can we do this better? And we realized we needed to use probably more, dozers we needed to push material with bulldozers and um, we needed to do that really efficiently so through the implementation of drones and some data we were able to kind of put the site um, in these basically we call them areas of interest we were able to put together these specific interests for each dozer and say this is where you need to work today and here's the model for it that needs to get done today um, and it was really streamlining operations. Like it, this dozer is going to go work here. This one's going to go work here. It was a lot of work on the back end to do that, but all of a sudden our production just exploded like three, four X production, because now we were able to take this operation that was spread out over hundreds of acres and not as efficient as it could be. And really just simplify and isolate, go do this, this, this. And next thing you know, the operators are, are just moving a lot of dirt uh, and, and getting it done. And we picked up days on the schedule. And uh, the, the highlight of that, though, is, um, you know, people want to win. And uh, so obviously the, the win was we were more productive and, uh, you know, because we were using GPS, we were accurate. There was very little rework. But the real win is that people begin to enjoy their work because they're winning. You know, all of a sudden from missing schedule, they're excited because they're beating and, you know, improving schedule. And uh, that's when it gets really fun in construction. When, when not only are they there and building something they're proud of, but they leave that day and they feel like, 
I won today. It just makes it more fun, if you know what I mean. I, n- I never thought of that aspect, the, the competitive nature of working against a, a budget and schedule. So, like, yeah. it's not – I never thought of, like uh, – and I, and I wonder – so is that – Across the industry, that's competitive, or is that something that you've maybe installed with within your organization, or is that something across kind of c- contractors in general? I think it's across contractors in general. I think it's actually it's a human, uh, it's a human thing. If you if you think through what do you enjoy, generally you're good at it. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a book called Everybody Matters. It's about Barry Way Miller. Um, this great organization that. Uh, has done a good job doing turnarounds. And one of the things he talks about in that book is the need to create a scoreboard because people want to know the score and they want to know if they're winning. So if, if you can create that scoreboard in construction and it's there, it's schedule and, and dollars, but if you can find a way to empower the people who are actually doing the work to know it and to see that they're winning, it makes it it's so much more fun for them. Yeah. So it's a, so, so, the the project in Mississippi that you talked about created a um, a daily feedback yep. of whether or not they won today versus the course of you know I don't how I don't know how I can't remember uh, how long was that project? Uh, it was several. It was probably about a year. It's probably about yeah. A year. So it's difficult to know how you're doing a course uh, across the entire thing on a daily basis, and you're looking for daily motivation. So that's that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and I think you know uh, you know. Good for Trimble, you know, they have products in their family of companies that allow for that, where you can get daily feedback of, hey, we input our production, we input our costs, let's see how we did today. And it will tell you, based off estimation, like this is this is how you did today. And I won or I didn't, and what can I change to, to be winning in the future? That's awesome. So um, again, from our, our previous discussion, you mentioned connected construction is not just about technology. It's about connecting people, um, specifically connections between um, generations. So yeah. to, this is this is a great conversation. So I, I want to dive into this a bit more. Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to feel really young. And I'm not saying I'm not young. I, I turned 37 this year. I'm young. Um, but... Uh, but I, I have started to get a little bit of gray hair. And so um, I, I, started I know the feeling. <laughs> I started to realize I'm not the youngest guy in the room anymore, whereas I used to be. Um, but I'm still technically a millennial. Uh, and uh, I, I'm in board meetings or, or executive meetings where I am the only millennial. And so uh, it's, it's interesting I was reading recently and there's this, uh, this article and it has like these snippets over time over the last, I think it was like 80 years. It was one, one article per generation for the last 80 years. And every article had basically that saying that was like, this generation doesn't know how to work hard. Um, and I'm pretty sure if you've been in any meetings, you've heard that about millennials or Gen Z's like that. They just don't want to work hard. They don't know how to work hard. Um, and I will just tell you that's false. As a millennial myself, uh, I've worked the crazy hours that most construction people brag about. And I don't really want to say out loud how many hours I've worked straight because 
it probably wasn't safe or good for my mental health. But uh, I've done it because that was what was required of me. So I think connecting, what's, what's interesting is um, connecting people and generations is really at the heart of what we do. Uh, I wish I would have learned this, and maybe I should have studied this in, in more in, um, in college. But when it comes down to it, uh, we use tools to build stuff, but it's the people that are building it. And the best organizations in this industry are ones that really understand my human capital is my competitive advantage. And the competitive advantage that exists by leveraging generations um, can be probably uh, respected greatly by those who are listening to this podcast because many of them already have like a, an interest in technology. And if you think about photometry, right? Uh, many people are using drones or, or cameras to create point clouds. The, the real gift that they provide you is, hey, I'm gonna take seven pictures from different perspectives of this one, this one thing, and then I'm gonna create a point cloud. And this point cloud is gonna be fairly accurate. If I took one or two pictures, one or two perspectives, it's probably pretty crappy. So what happens is now as we leverage, right now in this business, five generations, are probably represented pretty well. Four for sure, five probably pretty well. If you take those perspectives and instead of discounting them, like I shouldn't call boomers boomers and write them off, and we shouldn't write off Gen Zs or millennials, if we took all the perspectives in there and said, that's great perspective, let's dig into it. Man, we could connect those generations, that's when we unlock the power that really resides in these organizations. Like great human beings sharing and building on perspectives is how we change this industry. Yeah. So I, I love it. Um, I've always had this, like this, this kind of like philosophy of, of asking the question why. Yeah. And you know, like when, when you're, when we're kids and we ask why common answer with the parents, because I said, so stop asking me why stop asking me why, which drilled into our heads to not ask why. And it's, well, well so and it, and it becomes like, again, that connotation that it's a negative question to ask, but what it does is what you just said is it, it digs into people's perspectives. It's not a negative thing. So if I, if you say, some statement and I ask you why for me it's well I want to understand why you're asking that and you know to you know to 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 sit there and 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 go after um you know be uh be curious not judgmental we all you know from from our from our good soccer friends um that that like that's kind of the heart of it and it's you know and and I love the fact like you're the, the metaphor of, of the point cloud in different perspective, it's the same thing with the generations that you have yeah. at your disposal to help solve problems. Well, and, and also like what's great about that is even if you think about technology itself, you know, we have people in our organization who um, have dealt with, uh, gosh, I can't remember what it's called now. Is it Bellum? The, the old blueprints, they used to be, they used to be printed. Um, 
on this this paper. I want to say it's I called Bellum, remember. but I can't remember now. Um, but like you have people who have done that. Um, you have people who have taken plans and run digitizers to digitize the plans to get them into you know software, and then you have the the, the people who now may not have even printed off a set of plans. Yeah. Well, like all those perspectives had different workflows and there's valuable probably skills or, or tips and tricks that we could use those perspectives to create a process or a standard that kind of like really improves where we're at today. But we, we wouldn't get there if we didn't take into consideration, you know, that some of those other perspectives. I, I think one of the things that we, I hear so often is like, well, I don't want to do, I don't want to adopt that technology because when it doesn't work, we won't know how to do it. And it's like, valid point, you know, you can't be so dependent on technology that you can't get out your pencil and do some calculations. Um, but what if the people who are good at the new technology, like my kids know how to use my iPhone, right? I, my youngest is six. Um, so there's people who come into the business who just get technology. That's all they've ever known. What if they're teaching the ones who don't really understand it? And what if the ones who don't really understand the technology are teaching the younger generation some skill that might be lost, but you need to know it because there's times, like for example, um, we do uh, earthwork, um, but we also do shoring. So, you know, we'll go to a city base, a city block, shore it down vertically for a basement and we'll do tiebacks or um, soil nails. And so you're, you're installing this nail back into the face of the excavation and you know there is a sewer line over there. You know how far away it is, you know how far down it is, and you have to check and make sure, am I going to miss that based off the angle I'm drilling at? Like, that's good old-fashioned tri trigonometry. So yep. co sine, cosine, tangent. If you don't know how to do that, you're going to drill through a sewer line, and that's a really bad day. Yep. Well, somebody might be really good at that because they've done it by hand all these years. And yeah. they can help teach and mentor somebody like, hey, I know that we have this model and it shows we're going to miss it, but the line's not exactly where we said it's going to be. So instead of remodeling it, let me just show you how right here by hand we do that calculation so we can make sure we, we get it done right. And you just gave me fodder for my 16-year-old son who asked me just the other day, why am I doing Algebra 2 and Trig? I'll never use this. What, what's the purpose of calculus? Nobody's ever told me what, what, why calculus. Now, you just gave it to me, so thank you. Calculus is a little bit harder. Like I, I, still, I still have nightmares over my derivatives and antiderivatives, and I, I still think to myself, I'm not sure in my adult life I've ever done an antiderivative for anything, but no, trig. Someone must have. Hey, anybody who's listening, if you view calculus, comment on 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 the show so we know. Yes, that'd be but perfect. I would say trig, algebra, geometry, definitely are, uh, skills that are used. Uh, Agree. Say probably close to a daily basis in construction. So we were just kind of talking about the 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 value of connecting the generations, yeah. um, but then there's this. There, you know, there's always, it's always whatever the younger generation is. And right now it's millennials and, and, and Z gens like, like they're lazy or whatever. So why are millennials and Z's awesome? Well, let me first just say, 
this because I, I feel like I need to. One of, the, <laughs> one of the things that millennials and Gen Zs get a little bit of black eye over is we don't want to work 60 or 70 hours a week. And that's a very common thing in construction. Now, that's a broad statement because I've met plenty of millennials and Gen Zs that do um, and, are, and are fine with it. But I, I do think there has been a shift culturally that says like, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, 55, maybe, maybe 60. I can deal with that every once in a while, but I'm not going to work 60 to 70 weeks on end. And that's because the generation that raised them is the generation that says the one regret at life that I have in life is I work too much. Yep. I wish I had taken more vacation. And I think they're right. Yeah. But at the same time, like you can't fault them for hearing that their whole lives and then be surprised when they're like, you know what? My dad was in construction and we didn't go on enough vacations. So I want more vacation or, Hey, my dad missed, you know, I love my dad or my mom. They worked really hard. I'm super proud of them, but they missed a lot of X, Y, or Z. I, I don't want to do that. So one, give them a break because many of these people, they witnessed, you know, what it is that uh, their parents were doing and have decided they want to do a little bit different. Uh, why are they awesome? They are really, really good at working together. Hmm. Like I think inherently they're better at working together. They, they seem to work really good in groups and in teams. They've been playing games a lot of their life. And, um, a lot of those games require creativity. And so they can help us solve problems that we're facing right now in a way that we haven't before. And when you think about construction, like it has changed a lot, but at the same time, it hasn't changed that much. I think we're on the generation that has an opportunity to rethink how we do it and to challenge boundaries, to work together. And if, and if you really leverage them, what you'll see is they were so well in teams and are going to come up with solutions that you never thought of. And so really the, the generations that come before them, what they need to do is share experience, not like don't do it that way. Share experience. Like, Hey, I've done something similar to that. And let me tell you what the outcome was. So that they can like understand, oh, the reason we don't do it that way is because this experience, or the reason we do it that way is because of this experience. If you speak to them that way, we begin to understand the picture and then we work within it. One thing we don't do really well at is just don't do it that way. Like we don't do that. Yeah. We're not good at that. We're like, well, tell me why it doesn't matter why. Okay, don't be surprised when they don't follow along because they're like, well, there's no reason. They just don't want to, they just, there's no reason. They just say that's the way it's done, which when most often there is a reason. So yeah. I think educating the why, people want to know the why. I love it. So, I, love it. I, love it. I think I got we got the title know. of our show, Push for the Why, right? <laughs> So, um, so I know, uh, Randy, I, I know you're, you're, you're up against time. You're a busy, busy man. Uh, so I got the last question for you. So, okay. uh, we ask all of our guests this, what's your motto or what's a motto that, that you think is a, is great to live by? Yeah. So, um, 
uh, I, when I spoke at my dad's funeral, I shared with uh, the people in the funeral a scripture verse, and uh, I'm uh, I'm fairly well read, and uh, and so when I find truth, it doesn't really matter to me where it comes from. I just like to hold on to it, and the the the, the kind of the summation of this is learn how to be both hungry and full. Um, and a lot of people have a hard time like wrapping their head around that. Like most of us, we're not full and still want more. But I think one of the secrets to life is you can't always want more, but you can't always be full. You have to figure out how am I full, but want more. And I think that's especially true with ourselves. Like we never arrive. Our potential is always growing. And so that's us as individuals, but that's also as an industry. Like we always, we have to embrace and say, where we're at today is really awesome, but tomorrow can be better. So let's go make it better. I love it. I love it. Uh, what, what I was thinking when you said it, cause it immediately got my head like, like really churning there is that, um, I feel like, so that you think about what, if you go to a grocery store when you're hungry, generally you make bad decisions, but if you had the mentality of you were full, you make sounder decisions, smarter, wiser, wiser things. So that's where, where my, my mind went with that, is being able to combine those type of things, even when you're hungry, have the mentality that you're full. So I love it. That's, that's a great one. Thank you for sharing that. And, and thank you uh, for taking the time and sharing all your stories on, uh, on this episode. Um, once again, it's Randy Blount, former president of Blount Contracting. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Randy. Thank you. And everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, and until next time, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.